0: What do I have if I don't have you,
1: Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my
0: head. Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. We are excited this morning to hear from Mark Spence, He is the vice president of outreach for Living Waters Publications. He was also an assistant pastor at a Calvary Chapel in Southern California, as well as the head of the Bible College campus there. Now let's join Mark as he brings to us a relevant message from the Word of God. So uh, let me tell you about Mark, the amazing thing about Mark and Laura. His wife is here somewhere, I think helping in the lobby. Uh, They are the proud parents of five children. Five children from 16 down to nine. And so praise the Lord for that. So pray for his wife as well, because (laughs) (laughs) you know how that goes. And um, he has served as a Calvary Chapel pastor among his many callings in life. So he gets us. And so it's so nice to have somebody who's familiar with, uh, he's got the Calvary Chapel thing going on. Uh, This is a man who he's on stage with big names. And uh, it's just amazing that he said yes to come here. You can Google his name and find him all over the world speaking and encouraging and sports teams like NFL and all all kinds of things. And God is using him. And so would you welcome, a warm welcome to Mark. Pastor, Vice President, Reverend I love that. And daddy. Your highness. Hey, I like your shirt. (laughs) It's very
1: nice. (laughs) He got the memo. It's an honor to be here. Well, my wife is with me. She rarely uh, travels with me. She is usually at home with uh, the kiddos. Uh, I do have five kids, three boys, two girls, three uh, thorns, two rose petals. (laughs) And so she, uh, she's very supportive of my travels. You know, sometimes she offers to take me to the airport two days early. <laughs> but she's here uh, with me uh, on this trip. We had the, the amazing opportunity to stay in this beautiful bed and breakfast called the Honor Mansion. It's out of this world. I, I just, I, I can't sing its praises enough. Um, it's, it's such an honor to be here. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for your uh, hospitality. Thank you for the invite. I'm excited to uh, minister alongside you and uh, hopefully be a conduit and to just simply receive what God has uh, for all of us as he pours through me onto you. And I, I usually will attempt to preach as a, as a dying man to dying men and women. You know, this may be the last uh, opportunity that we ever have on a Sunday you know, Jesus is coming soon. We don't know when, perhaps, perhaps today. 150,000 people will pass from time on into eternity today. Roughly 4,500 babies will never breathe oxygen the way you and I will today. So life is quick. We are all part of the ultimate statistic. 10 out of 10 of us have an appointment with death. We will go from time on into eternity. Death will come knocking at an inopportune time for every one of us. So I trust that as we open up God's word and open up our hearts, God will be God and he'll meet us right where we're at. So let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be uh, kind of springboarding off of 1 Corinthians chapter two, verses one through five. 1 Corinthians chapter two, verses one through five. So open up that app. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, found after Genesis, before Revelation, <laughs> right in the... All right. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's pray. Father, we have gathered here for so many different reasons We have gone through and over so many different obstacles to be here. You have orchestrated, ordained our destiny to be at this very moment to be within earshot of your word. We thank you for that. We thank you that the only box you fit in is that box that says other. May we glory, may we boast in knowing you. May we know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. We pray that you would stamp eternity on our eyelids this morning. Pray that you would do away with distractions and even division. That our guards would be down and we would allow you to do what you've always wanted to do. To be God and the man. May you cut through all the junk and the jive. May you minister and speak to our hearts. May you whisper to our soul. May we hear rejuvenated words that we can go forth with an anointing and power, trusting in the spirit to do his work. So here we are, Christ. Here we are. Thank you for this opportunity. Our answer is yes. Yes, 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 yes. A thousand times yes. Now tell us what you would have us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen, amen. You may be seated. Not too long ago, I wanted to take uh, my oldest daughter Ella, being six years old at the time, wanted to take her on a little daddy-daughter date. Wanted to take her to someplace a little bit nicer than where we normally go. She put on a nice little dress. You know, I got dressed up as well, and uh, we made our way over to a place a little bit nicer than we normally go, so we went to Wendy's. <laughs> and as we're looking up at the dollar value menu, some students had come in dressed, wearing suits, and the women were in business attire, students, 20s, mid-20s, close to even 30s, if you would. I'd asked one of the students, why are you dressed up so nice? I understand that this is fine dining, but why you? Why here? <laughs> And he said, well, we are part of an epidactic debate team. We just came from a mock trial. And then what he said was as if he was gazing into my soul. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments. I asked him, what do you debate? He said, well, listen, we debate anybody, any subject, at any time, in any place. (laughs) Well, you can imagine my reaction, you know. Good luck with that. <laughs> right? And I, I walked away and grabbed my Frosty and Fry, sat down, looked over at my little girl. And she's like, Daddy, you going to go share the gospel with them? <laughs> Acting like I didn't hear her. I said, honey, this is daddy-daughter time. I'm so excited to be here with you. <laughs> well, one of them had blasphemed really loud. Ella looks over at me and she says, Daddy, you got to go share the gospel with them now. I said, Peanut, you got to mind your own business. I don't have enough gospel tracks for everybody. She says, Oh, that's okay. I have the secret stash in the car. Of course you do, my little homeschooled princess. We make our way out to the car, and I said, listen, Daddy's really nervous. I think we need to pray. And she's all, Daddy, there's a time to pray and there's a time to move. (laughs) So when I was done grounding her, we made our way inside Wendy's, and they're all over inside of a corner. And I said, hey, listen, my little girl Ella, right, right, where, where did she? Baby, what you doing under the table? She says, I'm scared. And I go, is there room for dad? I am too. And I was. I was nervous. And I get nervous every time I share. Every time I go in front of a a group of people, I get nervous. I'm nervous here to be in front of you. I really, really am. I have these pads that collect my sweat. I do. I have two layers. I have a special T-shirt. They have diapers under my armpit. I'm not kidding. I'm not, I can, sh- I, can sh- I can, it's bad. In fact, uh, if I could be transparent with you, honestly, I would much rather lick the inner lining of a Tibetan yak's ulcerated small intestine than go in front of people. It is really that hard. It is really that difficult. My daughter knows it. She knows it. So I had the tracks. I went up to the group of kids and I said, I go, hey, listen, my little girl wanted to make sure that you each got one of these. It's a million dollar bill. And on the other side, there's a message here. It's a Christian message how you can avoid hell, come into a relationship with your maker, and make it to heaven. Gave them all one of them. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where. Something starts coming out of here, but it didn't originate here. Well, that's what happened. I said, who's the head of your debate team? Why would I ask that? (laughs) This girl levitated over everybody else, came down in the midst, and she says, that's me. My name is Dakota. I said, hey, Dakota, I have an idea. How about we have a little debate right here in Wendy's? She's all... All right, let's do this. She starts rolling up her sleeve. And I go, okay. Uh, she's like, what do you want to debate? She's ready to go. She didn't care what the subject was. I said, how about the validity of the Christian faith? Whether or not Jesus rose again from the dead? Is the Bible God's word? Is Christianity the only way to, the, to heaven? I mean, you, you get to pick anything along that realm I'm willing to discuss. She's like, great, you pick. I don't care. I'm like, wow, talking about being ready in season and out of season. This girl was ready to debate her worldview. Now, as a Christian, there's only two times we are to be ready, in season and out of season, right? (laughs) So I said, all right, let's do this. So we started to engage in dialogue. I I looked over at the rest of the students and I said, you get to determine at the end who won the debate. You be the jury. They said, all right, great, absolutely. They grabbed a seat. She stood up and away we went. Went back and forth, back and forth for about 30 minutes. I finished my closing argument. I looked over at her and I said, you get the closing statement. And she didn't say anything. Her mouth was shut. And I'm reminded of the words of Greg Bonson, the great apologist who died in Whittier, buried in Whittier. He said, it's not our job as Christians to open people's hearts. It's our job to close their mouths. Amen. And a good dose of apologetics and the use of the law will do that very thing. We'll put them in a place where they can receive grace, God's unmerited favor to the infinitely ill deserving. I looked over at the jury and I said, Hey guys, what'd you think? Does that sound like something you guys want to do? Do you want to get right with God? I didn't ask him who won. I know who won, not because I was there, but I knew that it was a success because I opened my mouth. They all looked down, nobody wanted to get right with God. Nobody said anything but one, one person, one guy, one student, he looks over at me and he says, are you kidding me right now? I watch you every single day. And to see you do this in person, that was awesome. (laughs) I said, man, where were you 30 minutes ago? He said, I had your back. I said, yeah, way back. (laughs) He said, Mark, that was great. God was glorified. The word went out. Now, if you were to look at what happened there on a surface level, you would think that it was not a very fruitful encounter. Why not? Because nobody asked to follow me on Twitter. Nobody asked for my Facebook page. Nobody asked Jesus to come into their heart. Nobody asked some scriptures, some ad hoc questions, perhaps none of that took place. They simply went their way and I went mine hand in hand with my little girl smiling from ear to ear and says, daddy, I'm so proud of you. And a lot of times we confuse faithfulness and fruitfulness. And we think being fruitful is not faithful, but it's getting somebody to repeat a prayer, getting somebody to now attend my church, getting somebody to rethink through their worldview Fruitful is being faithful. You be faithful with the message that God has given you. God will be faithful to bring forth the fruit in his time. We don't always get to see what God is up to, but we can be rest assured that God is up to. God is up to something. He's always up to something. Since the ticking of the clock and before there's even time itself, he created you. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he created beforehand that we should walk in it. We are God's workmanship. It's the Greek word poema, where we get the English word poem. You are God's poem. The expression of his heart, the symphony of his praise, the trophy of his grace You are what is on display where angels are left scratching their head. People look in. People are amazed. And God says, this is my child. And I prepared them for a work. I created this work before time. So I never even asked his or her opinion on it. You walk in it. You walk in it. And what do we do? We freak out. We stress out. We pace back and forth. We have sweat on our brow. None of which God does. But sometimes God gives us a look into what he's doing, a glimpse. Doesn't always, but sometimes he does. Last year, I was ministering in Kauai. Somebody's got to do it. (laughs) And as I was ministering there in Kauai, I'm with my wife. We're in a canoe. And our guide who was in another canoe was going. And my wife goes, hey, Mark, you got to share the gospel with him. Baby, learn in silence, right? I mean, I, I, she's got her oar. She starts hitting a little bit of water back towards me. You know, like, I'm just gonna, all right, this is a very pleasant time in Kauai. She's not gonna let me get away with this. So we get to our destination spot and I share the gospel with our guide who's taken us to these waterfalls. When I was all done, I looked over at him. and I said, hey, Dave, um, have, have you ever heard this before? And He said, you know what? Up until last week, I would have said no. Last week was the first time I've ever heard this. And I was surprised, right? You live in America, you hear the gospel. And he said, yeah, last, last week, somebody shared the same thing with me. Uh, his name's uh, Jeremy Camp. <laughs> a week after Kauai, when I left, I spoke at a music festival with Jeremy Camp so I went up to Jeremy and said hey man um, two weeks ago you were in Kauai he's so, all you went on a little uh, canoe hike and your guide's name was Dave I had his attention at this point God has a message for you I said, hey, listen, man, I had the same guide Uh, last week. I was in Kauai and uh, I had a chance to take up where you left off. You know, some plants, some water, but God gives the increase. And isn't it neat to know, Jeremy, that uh, God is always up to something? He's always up to something. Now, I do not care for being in front of people. I had mentioned that, but in fact, it is very, 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 very difficult for me to do so. I read books on how to interact with people. I read books on how to public speak. I've taken classes on how to uh, just carry on conversation with people. I just realized that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And I have a motto. My motto is really the title of this message. If you're going to fail, fail by falling forward. If you're going to fail, fail by falling forward. Not by saying, I'm not gonna do that and walk away, but no, I'm gonna do that and I might fall on my face, but that's okay. I may look like a fool and that's okay. I had a pastor friend of mine at Calvary Chapel Bible College that used to say, you cannot impress people with Jesus if you're still trying to impress them with yourself. There is no such thing as a cool Christian. You need to get over yourself, God already has. (laughs) So is it okay for God to put you in a position where you look foolish? Yeah, why not? Why not? What can God do with an individual who's not afraid to look foolish? I go to universities quite often. In fact, on May 2nd, I'm gonna be down at Sacramento State. If you want to make the journey, make the journey over there. And you can see, I'm going to lecture for an hour on a subject called theodicy. It's the problem of evil. If God is so loving, benevolent, good and great and grand, why is there evil? Why is there suffering in the world? Why did that atrocious thing happen to me from my uncle when I was four years old? Where was God when the plane went into the Twin Towers? Your God's not real. He certainly doesn't care because if he cared, he would intervene. We intervene when we see things happening that shouldn't be happening. Where's your God? That's what's retorted out. So that's what I'm gonna lecture on. May 2nd, Sacramento State. Secular University, right? And then when I'm done lecturing for an hour on that subject, it's an hour of Q&A in the lion's den where the students and the faculty alike come up to the microphone and they attempt to put you in your place, put me in my place. And that's okay because of my motto. If you're going to fail, fail by falling forward. If I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail by falling forward. And it's okay for somebody to ask me a question I don't have an answer for. What do I say? I don't have an answer for that. Sorry. I don't need to pretend like I have all the answers. But I have the most important question answered. What's going to happen to us when we die? Now, I'm not the boldest individual. I'm not the wisest person. I like what our text says here today. The Apostle Paul says, hey, when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech. When I was with you, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much knee knocking, I'd much rather gargle, turtle vomit, trembling. (laughs) This is Paul, the author of one third of the New Testament. And of all the people who you would think has his act together, wouldn't it be the Apostle Paul? But even church history attests that this was a wee little man with a big old nose. And at the end of his life, he was losing his eyesight even. It says that his writings were amazing, but his looks were Some There was nothing desirable about him. Same is so with Jesus, isn't it? As Isaiah tells us. If you're going to fail, fail by falling forward. The Apostle Paul had this motto. Nothing is going to hold me back. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to shut up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm moving one direction, and that is forward who's with me, right? Well, here's the Apostle Paul, and look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 6. I'll read it to you for sake of time. Starting in verse 19. And for me, pray for me, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Of all the people that you think was already bold, wouldn't it be Paul? And he's saying, hey, pray for me. I need boldness. Guys, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. The best ability is availability. In Mark chapter one, Jesus said, come after me and I will make you to become a fisher of men. I'm not looking for fishers of men. I'm not looking for the most eloquent individual who has their act together with no terrible testimony. I'm looking for the person who's simply gonna allow me to be me Let me be me in you, Christ would say. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me be me, you be you, and I'm gonna change the world. You think of what Christ did with 12 people, one of which betrayed him with a kiss. What can he do with the people in this room? What can he do with an individual who simply says, I call heaven and hell as a witness? My life's not my own. I've been bought with a price. And what lies before me is a stewardship from the owner. And you have permission to take away my eyesight, my family, my talent, my treasure. I want my kids. I like my job. I love my wife. But Lord, none of that is mine. And I hold them like this, not like this. And I hold it like this. And whatever you want to do, God, whatever. I can see the hidden smile of God above the dark cloud in your life, whatever it is you're going through. And I see a God with endless possibilities as the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth in order to strongly support the person who in the Hebrew it means leaning in his direction. Because God's eyes are no longer on Chuck Smith, Steve Mays, no longer on Spurgeon and Whitfield and Wesley, Moody, the Apostle Paul, Peter, James, John, Jude. They're gone. They went from time on into eternity. They ran their race, good or bad, but it's done. And now it's us. It's you and I. This is it. This is the place where we've, we've come to. With all the muck and the mire in your life, all the issues, all the baggage that you've accumulated, this is who you are. But now you can say, like the Apostle Paul, if I'm going to fail now, man, I'm going to fail by falling forward. And I don't have boldness and I have no eloquence of speech and I have weakness and I have much trembling. But I'm going to trust that this life is not about me, even though I'm getting older. This journey is about you. And this journey is almost over. It is. Unfortunately, we live in a world with first world problems. We get upset at microwaves because they take too long. <laughs> we have closets filled with clothes, yet we have nothing to wear. Refrigerators filled with food, yet nothing to eat. We get upset that a telemarketer calls our home at an inopportune time. So much so we get rid of our home phone to only have our mobile phone because it's only telemarketers that call us. That person has 11 items and the 10 items are less. Line inside the grocery store line. Oh, the wait at the restaurant, it's an hour and a half. Forget that, I'm out of here. Traffic, ah. I leave because of traffic at 4.30 in the morning to get to work. And I thank God for the traffic. And when there's an accident, I pull over. Hey, listen, um, is there anything I can do for you guys? Here's a water bottle. Can I pray for you? The feet, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Telemarketer calls up. It's an opportunity to share. Salesman comes to your door. My kids man their positions. (laughs) One's grabbing a water bottle. Somebody else is grabbing a track or a DVD. Dad, it's for you. (laughs) I come running and I'm not excited to see them but I'm excited to walk in the work which God prepared beforehand. Now, a couple weeks ago, I had a salesman come to the door, knocks on the door. The kids all man their positions. I come running out, water bottle track, here we go. I got the baton, door opens up and I go running out and this guy goes, whoa. (laughs) It's almost as if you're excited to see me. I said, man, grab a seat, let's talk. Jehovah's Witnesses came knocking on my door, find out I'm a Christian, they didn't wanna talk anymore. And I said, listen, I can't have you leave. They turned around, they walked away. They went up to my neighbor. I'm right behind them. Hey, Reba, they're going to lie to you, and I'm just going to clean up the mess. Watchman for my neighborhood. I don't, I, listen, I don't get excited to do that. And that's really not Mark's natural milieu. I, I, that's not the way I act and respond. But I wake up and I say, God, with your help, I can do it. I can do it. Let me take my eyes off of the mirror and put my eyes upon you. A few months back, I was invited to speak uh, to the Denver Broncos. They just finished winning the Super Bowl, right? And here I go. I, I'm, I'm there and I, I go, all right, I'm gonna, I have 35 minutes to talk to these guys. I'm gonna, what am I gonna share? Let me, let me pray about, it. oh, the gospel. All right, yeah, that's right there. That's The gospel's what they're gonna get. And I go up there and I just, unleash the gospel. And this guy comes up to me afterwards. I thought when I was all done, they were gonna make like a beeline to the tree line and get out of there, but they all came around me and I find myself in the center of the defending Super Bowl champions there in the middle and they're giving me hugs and they're giving me high fives. I, in fact, I had a friend of mine, he comes up to me, he's says, all right, guy, let, let, me, let me teach you how to shake their hands. Right, like the first time I met LaCrae." I went up to Lecrae, and now Lecrae, he's got this whole handshake thing going on, this rapper, right? He's going up, right? They're doing chest bumps. They're doing like all these little things. He turns over to me and he goes, hey, how you doing? He just knew. He knew I'm as white as white can be. So my friend's teaching me these handshakes for when I meet these guys. And one of these guys, he comes up to me, he's like this. And I go, I go like this. I, 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 try to, I didn't know what he was doing, but I tried to like kind of get in there. He goes, no, man, I'm sick, man. I'm just saying, hey. You know, so. <clears throat> well, as you can tell, so am I. Yeah, you know, just a little more. Up so one of their defensive backs came up to me afterwards and he said, hey, listen, man. Uh, back in February, I was released from the team. I had a DUI. And then I got a uh, call from uh, Kubiak, the, the coach. And he said, hey, man. I'm not giving up on you. You want to come back and you want to play some ball? And he said, uh, sure. But I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know why I'm here. And when you said that I was created for God's glory, and if you've never seen the glory of God, you're going to be mesmerized by streetlights, fireworks, shadows, mirages. When you begin to talk like that, I just begin to go, because I'm used to going inside of a stadium and they're chanting my name. They're singing my praise. The plaudits, the population, the money. And you said, you were not created for yourself. You were created for God's glory. You struck a chord with me. And I went on to share with them. I said, hey, listen, guys, Um, I have a Navy SEAL friend and you guys have the same motto that my Navy SEAL friend has. Down in Coronado, there's plaques all over the place to try to, keep the the soldiers encouraged one of the plaques says your only easy day was yesterday another plaque says the enemy would like to thank you for not giving 100% today your whole life you have said what's next what's next see boys ask are we finished men ask what's next We've all been part of that PE class where the coach says, run a mile. You said, what's next? He said, hit the showers. You said, no, what's next? All and right, fine. I'm going to run two miles. In order to be the elite of the elite, the best of the best, you're going to go above and beyond what everybody else is doing. The boys have asked, are we finished? I'm done doing push-ups. Are we done? Is that it? 10 more push-ups? One more mile? Is that it? Are we finished? But to be the best, those words, are we finished, have never come out of your mouth. You've only said up to this point, what's next? I want to encourage you to say it one more time. Not next week, not 20 years from now, but 200 years from now, gang, players, soldiers, listen, fighters, battlers, what is next 200 years from now? When you go from time on into eternity, what's going to matter? That ring that you're wearing right now, because I guarantee you that's going to burn. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Our message is simple. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's had no predecessor. He'll have no successor. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. This is our God. So regardless of who sits on the seat in the Oval Office, we know who sits on the throne in heaven. We know him. We, do you know him? You know God? Wow. You know God, and God knows me. And my name is on his lips, and he wants to hear his name on somebody else's lips. In which one time, nothing but blasphemy comes forward out of somebody's lips, and it can be changed to praise. I was sitting on a plane coming back from Chicago next to a guy who just finished winning a gold medal in the Olympics. He told me that he is a practicing homosexual and his partner cannot make it to the games. When he said that he was a homosexual, the guy by the window leaned away. This Olympian who represented us, you and I, sat in the middle. When he shared that, he saw that. I leaned in and put my arm around him and I said, man, listen, I'm not moved by that. I'm not moved by that. We continued to talk about his gold medal. He had the gold medal. I put it on my neck. I went, man, this is cool. I thought about it for a moment. Do I make a dash for the door? <laughs> right? I, common sense got to hold of me. I did not. I went on to share the gospel with him. Another three hours, started answering his questions. And when we're all done, guess how many times I brought up homosexuality? Zero. The law, scripture says that the law was made for homosexual. I went through the law of God, the commandments. You shall not lie, steal, commit adultery. You shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Honor your mom and your dad. I went through the commandments and the commandments show us that we, all of us, hetero or homo, we are all damned. When we're all done, he looked at me and he said, man, what are you saying I need to do? And he said, uh, I, I said, listen, man, it's, it's, he goes, L- you-, you haven't brought up homosexuality once. What are you saying I need to do about that? I said, man, it-, it seems to me you know what you need to do. He said, you're right. And when I get home, if he doesn't move out, I am. How does somebody with a presupposition and a worldview of which he is at the center of the universe, the best of the best, on cloud nine, climbed up that apex, looked over the pinnacle and said, there's nobody better than me. To a place that says, oh, wretched man that I am. And he kneels down and he cries out to God to have mercy on him. I'm gonna show this medal to my partner to where I'm gonna take this medal and throw it at the feet of Jesus and say, wow, Lord. It's not me, it's you. We have a message that is greater than any message anybody can ever understand. What are you doing with it? Really, what are you doing with it? The gospel is not something to be hoarded. It's something to be shared. And we cannot sit poolside as person after person falls into the pool and dies with the inability to swim. If it's within your power to jump inside of a pool and to save a toddler who might've stumbled into that water and you don't do it, then you're guilty of a crime called depraved indifference. Depraved means lowly, indifference means you could care less. And isn't that sadly the case for so many people who bring a shadow to the church week after week? I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not quick enough. I'm not witty enough. I don't wanna hand a basket of excuses to God when I die. Right? He can't forgive excuses. He can forgive sins. And I wanna hand God, just say, listen, yep, that failure, when I fell forward and that guy asked that question, I didn't have an answer for that. Yep, still don't know what the answer is to that. That's a good one, right there, right there, Lord. That, yep, don't, that's you. I don't care. What are you gonna say about me? You're not as smart as Ravi Zacharias. In fact, I did a video series with Ravi Zacharias. And the director looks over at me, his name's Andre from Cloud 10 Pictures. He asked me a series of questions. The first question he asked is, is there such thing as truth? The name of the video, you can look it up on YouTube. It's called The 12 Biggest Lies. I was supposed to answer the first question. Then they brought in these heavy hitters for all the rest of the questions. And then he looks over at me and he goes, you know, yesterday I was in Atlanta interviewing Ravi Zacharias. You basically said the same questions, same answers that he did, but you kind of dumbed it down a little bit. (laughs) That wasn't on purpose. (laughs) So he asked me in more questions. Hey, can you answer any of these other questions? Is Islam a religion of peace? You know, he started going through these different things. Now, unbeknownst to him, I study Ravi Zacharias to prepare for this encounter. I was at a conference, a different conference with him, and Ravi Zacharias spoke on uh, the moral argument for the existence of God, whatever that means. And I'm in the green room with Greg Kokel, another apologist. He looks over at me and he says, what are you teaching? I said, the moral argument on the existence of God. He's all, Ravi just taught that. I go, yeah, I studied him to prepare for this. And I read your book to prepare for this. He's like, you know, the funny thing is, um, I go next and I'm teaching on the same thing, Mark. I go, wait, what? He's like, yeah, he taught on the moral argument for the existence of God. I'm doing the same thing. You're batting cleanup. And you're, what, you, you do, to prepare for this, you, you studied and read us? I go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> oh. Kurt Cameron, sitting next to me, working with the guy, right? Knowing what I'm going to teach, he goes, what are you going to do? I'm going to videotape this thing. This is a train wreck. <laughs> He says, Mark, I know what you need to do. You basically need to do this. You, you, you need to uh, roll up the sleeves and, and demonstrate to these people how they apply it out on the street. Forget about the ivory tower. Forget about teaching in theory. Let's, let's hit practicum. And that's what you do. You, you hit the streets. You'll go to the universities. You're not afraid of failing. And so I did. I called up my wife right before I did. I said, baby, listen, listen, the predicament I'm in, and she's all, it's fine. Give them Jesus. Everything's fine. Yeah. Give them Jesus. That's what they need. Give him Jesus. I was listening to Paul Washer, and he said, you know, I was, uh, I was invited to speak at a marriage uh, conference once. I had to give 12 messages. During the Q&A of the 10th message, the question was asked, yeah, this is the 10th message you've given, and you haven't even talked about marriage yet. And this whole conference is a marriage conference, and during these 12 messages, we figured we'd learn about being uh, married and how to put up with our spouse and things like this. All you've done is talk about Jesus. He says, you know what you need inside your family, inside your marriage? You already know what you need inside your marriage, inside your family. You have enough of that. You begin to do what you already know what you're supposed to do. And then we can talk. What you need is Jesus. What people need is Jesus. For I determined not to know anything among you, but Jesus, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. That's the message I have for you. It's Jesus. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Jesus. That's it. That's the message we share. And listen, we don't get to choose what is true. We only get to choose what we do about it. We were created to bring God glory. And sadly, we're a generation of people who count our lives dear to ourselves. We find ourselves meandering through the maze of mediocrity and pondering in the pool of popularity. We want to be part of the in crowd and the cool the cool kids. We don't want to be inconvenienced in our pursuit of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. The words of David Brainerd, the missionary who died at the age of 29, whose journal is the most printed book in the world outside of the Bible. When he said the words, Lord, help me not to loiter on my way to heaven. His words though they can echo in our ears, they mean very little to our hearts. Or Jim Elliot, when he said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's the same one, Jim Elliot, who died at the hands of those from whom he was trying to proselytize. He said, why do you need a voice when you have a verse? Why do you need God to speak to you, to tell you to go when he's already told you to go? We say, hey, I'm willing to go. I'll go to Nepal. Should God call me to go to Nepal? I'm willing to go door to door, go to the universities. I'm willing. Should God call me to go? What we need to say is, I'm willing to stay. Should God call me to stay? In the meantime, I'm going. Justin Peter said, if you want to hear God's voice, read his word. You want to hear his voice out loud, read his word out loud. We don't need a voice when we have a verse. Go into the highways, byways, the gutterways, compel them to come. Hey, come and learn about one who knew all about me, loved me anyways. Anything good come out of Nazareth? Hey, come and see. Come and see. Come and taste and see. See, Jesus tasted your cup of the father's wrath. He tasted that bitterness so that you can taste and see that he's good. Our God who knew no sin became sin to set us free, to have a relationship with him, not just hell, fire, heaven insurance, but have a relationship with the one who made sunsets and surfing and seafood and sex. A God who is so out of this world that nothing can hinder them. I don't know how rewards and trophies and crowns are gonna work when we die. I don't get it. I I just say that at the outset. And I know that every illustration that is shared outside of the Bible will fall short. But I experienced something after hearing what John Corson had said one time. I experienced it in real life. I was sitting inside my living room watching the Lakers. Not so good this year. <laughs> but I was watching the Lakers with my wife. and As we're watching the basketball game, my little girl Eden is out inside the kitchen hitting a pot and pan with a wooden spoon. And she was having a, a, just a tremendous time as a little infant. I look at my oldest son, Noah, and I say, hey, Noah, go play with Eden. He says, dad, do I gotta, really? (laughs) Now, why? Because that's not fun to him. Now, you're gonna wish you never heard this. (laughs) Noah goes inside the kitchen, he grabs a a wooden spoon, he starts hitting the pot, making a commotion, having a fun time in here, dad. (laughs) Eden is smiling from ear to ear, doesn't get any better. But the place where Noah's at, with his ability to reason and to enjoy greater things, he was stooping down, if you would, to enjoy the pot and pan with the wooden spoon. Noah's ability to enjoy greater things was at a place different than Eden. Now, Noah is not at where mom and dad are at and doesn't even begin to understand what mom and dad have experienced from the beauty of a sunset and sunrise to God providing financially at just the right time or what happens within a a marriage uh, relationship. He doesn't get it because he's not at the place, nor will he get it, nor does he understand. And this is what John Corson went on to say. When we get to heaven, we're all gonna be having a great time, but somebody will be playing with pots and pans but they won't even realize it because your ability to receive what God has for you is gonna be the ultimate. And everything is contingent upon walking in the work which God has prepared beforehand. And we still act like novices as children, as newborn babes drinking milk, not digging down deep within the commentaries and the other books and the ability and just saying, you know what? No, I just want to have a bank account filled with cash so I never have to worry. Listen, you'll never be in need. I shall supply all of your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. You underline it. Why don't you believe it? You highlighted it. Now what? Now you're going to freak out. You're going to come to the cross and lay down the burden and then say, Lord, this is my burden. And then before you leave, you're going to throw it back over your shoulder and leave again. It's mine. It's not yours. Pause off. I don't want to be just that guy who underlines and highlights. I want to say, this is your word, God. I want to desire it. I need your word. I need you to speak to me today as if it's my last day. I need that Rama. I need need a word fitly spoken in season. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to chew on your word day and night. Your wisdom is not hidden from me. It's hidden for me. I can dig down deep and go find it. I need you more than my lungs need oxygen, more than my veins need blood, more than my heart needs to pump. God, I need you and I know it not. And for so many years, the same prayer that A.W. Tozer had was my prayer. Lord, I don't desire you, but I desire to want to desire you. Can that be enough right now? I'm gonna draw near to you as much as I can, as best as I can, And I trust that as I draw near, you will draw near to me. If you're gonna fail, fail by falling forward. Trust that God is enough to do the work that he wants to do. Usually, at this time, I go through and and I share. So here I go. I'm out of time. What time am I supposed to be done? What is it? I was teaching at Calvary Chapel Bible College five days a week, three hours a day. And I wouldn't give him a break. i say, if you need to take a break, just go take a break, right? Which leaves me the most embarrassing moment of my life. Let me just share that with you. <laughs> Complete rabbit trail. That's the way I live my life. I was speaking at this uh, Korean uh, winter camp for the youth. And they were falling asleep, and I said, "Listen, I get it. It's hot in here. If you get tired, just stand in the back. Stand in the back. And this, this is the way I pray. If I'm going to enter into serious prayer, it's not when I'm laying down. I'm not going to close my eyes. I'm going to stand. I'm going to have it be cold. I'm going to have worship music going. I'm going to be journaling. I'm going to be writing. God's speaking. I trust He's going to speak. So I'm going to write. Hey, I get it. Go stand in the back. Do what you got to do. And they kept falling asleep. So I go, you know, we're just going to close uh, here early, and we'll come back for the next session, you know, and." A guy comes up to me and he said something. I don't know what he said. I think he was speaking Korean. So I, I come back during the second service. They were falling asleep again. So I said, why am I telling you this? I have no idea why I'm telling you this. So I'm, I'm standing there and they started falling asleep again. And I go, listen, guys, you're, you're tired. Let's just finish this message off by just standing up. So you, we'll, we'll get into this. I have an important message to share. And one of the guys says, we're not falling asleep. We're Korean. We can't open our eyes. <laughs> That's the most embarrassing moment I had in the pulpit. Yeah. It's not funny. So I go to the universities, and when I'm not invited inside the forum class, I'll take it to the student center. I'll be wearing a microphone, there'll be a microphone out in the crowd. I say, hey, listen, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm a Christian. I'm unashamed to be called a Christian. I believe that Christianity is intelligent. The hardest-hitting questions that have plagued humanity since its inception are answered in Christianity alone. Questions such as, why am I here? What's the meaning of life? What's going to happen to me when I die? They're only answered in Christianity alone because Christianity alone is true. So whether you're Mormon Jehovah's Witness, you're part of the Baha'i faith, you think Bahula and Jesus are just messengers... Maybe you're an atheist, an agnostic, a free-thinking skeptic, and you think that all of our answers are found in the flying spaghetti monster. I am not your enemy here today. So if you've asked these questions, come up to the mic. Let's have a dialogue. Let's agree to disagree. Go get a cup of coffee. Unless you're Mormon, we can go get a cup of water, I guess. (laughs) We're not enemies. We can agree to disagree. Do you have any questions? And I want to share this with you. Listen, You need to listen carefully, students. Every worldview claims to point to truth. Yours, mine, everybody's. Is there a litmus test we can take to determine whether one of us is right and one of us is wrong? or Are any of us right? Is there such thing as being wrong? Maybe you are a Hindu and your sacred text, the Vedas, it says that truth is elusive, mysterious, and hard to find. I know it because I've read it. Buddha, he said, I'm still searching for the truth at the end of his life. Muhammad, maybe you're a Muslim here today. He said that he pointed to the truth. But Jesus is the only one who didn't speak from authority. He spoke with authority. That was an accusation against him. Who is this man who speaks with authority, right? The prophets of old, they quote the people of old. They speak from authority. But now Jesus enters onto the scene. Hello? He didn't speak from authority. He spoke with authority. And this one with authority said, Not that truth was elusive, mysterious, or hard to find. He didn't point to the truth or truth was hidden. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He said, Whosoever will, let him come. If you're hungry, If you're thirsty, come and taste, come and partake. Come behold your God. That's what I'm gonna do on May 2nd, Sacramento State. That's what I just did at Tulsa University. I did a university in Berkeley, USC, USC. If you're going to fail, fail by falling Say it again. Forward, man. We're going to fail by falling forward. I have this little exercise that I do. I open up my computer and I type out every crime I've committed against God. Every sin, every blotch against Christianity. And I write them all out. I type them there and then I highlight them all and I blow them up and they're huge and big and they're right in my face. And I lay out the the, the commandments that I've broken. And I stare at it and I weep at it. And I'm ashamed of it. Up comes this little window. Would you like to save your work? (laughs) I take it and I highlight it all red. And I just claim the blood of Christ over the crimes I've committed. And then I exit out and I thank God for the blood. It says, Would you like to save this document? One final opportunity, and I say, You know what? No, no, a million times no. As far as the east is from the west, God's grabbed a hold of our sin. He's removed it. Corey Ten Boom says he grabbed a hold of your sin. He throws it down into the depths of the ocean. He hangs his sign that says, No fishing allowed. Guys, this journey's almost over for every one of us, young or old, fat or skinny, healthy or like me. It's almost over for all of us. hundred years from now, we're all gone. If God doesn't take us one way, he's going to take us another way. We're gonna be gone. And I don't wanna see any of you playing with pots and pans. I don't wanna see any of you offer a bucket of excuses why you are not the guy or the gal for the job. This life guys is not yours. You've been bought with a price and what lies before you is a stewardship from the owner. Allow him to make you uncomfortable. Go to the grocery store, drop gospel tracks inside the cases of beer. <laughs> Open up a newspaper stand and put the gospel tracks inside the newspapers. God uses gospel tracks. We sell millions of them. I found a gospel track on the ground at a park the night that I got saved. I was going to steal thousands of pairs of Levi jeans from a store called Miller's Outpost in Fountain Valley, California. I picked up the track. It was an invitation to this place called the Harvest Crusade. I put my heist off until the next night. I said, I'm gonna go to this crusade. And so I went, I went to the crusade. Called up my girlfriend, you wanna go to this thing? She says, no. Well, I went to it. These guys have their hands lifted up. They're singing songs. I was so irrelevant, irrelevant and irreverent. And I'm, I'm shaking, I'm clapping their hands. I, I'm just clapping. I go, yeah, right on. <laughs> and then Greg Laurie shared a text. He said, what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet he forfeits his soul? God uses gospel tracts. So should we. The best man at my wedding was the leading drug dealer in Southern California. Dealt with the Mexican mafia, became a pastor, Calvary Chapel, Newcastle upon Tyne, outside of Scotland in England. When I was at Calvary Chapel Bible College with him, he thought he was Jesus. He took so many drugs. Sitting down with Larry Taylor, he had to convince him that he was not Jesus. These are the types of people God will use. By the time he left the Bible College, he no longer thought he was Jesus, but he thought he was Adam incarnate. How do you graduate? <laughs> listen, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. You have no excuses. Stand before, uh, stand before God, stand up, speak up and say, God, listen, I know you can use the most unlikely characters. I know you can use me and then move forward. Be faithful to small things in life because truth be told, there's no such thing as a small thing. That small thing in your life is the biggest thing known to man inside your life. You be faithful with that. And God will open up doors. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray and then I wanna share something. Father, thank you so much for these dear people that are in here. My brothers, my sisters, uh, people who would perhaps even call me uh, their enemy. But I thank you. I thank you for the work that you're doing inside of our hearts, our lives. And Lord, we echo the same prayer, that no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much we kick and scream, never ever let us be out of your will. For your namesake, for your glory, because of this covenant you made with yourself, which makes no sense to us, we are your beloved, we are your child. You no longer call us servant, you call us your friend. We want to be like john leaning upon the heartbeat of deity listening to that heartbeat we want to be like mary more than a friend but family with the great i am that is who we are god may we claim that inheritance you are our portion you are so kind altogether lovely and altogether different May none of us be playing with pots and pans when we stand before you. Thank you that it is solely based upon the merits of Jesus Christ and what he did on that Roman gibbet 2,000 years ago so that we don't pat ourselves on the back. Thank you for my family here. I pray for a special blessing upon the pastors here and the people here. May you do such a work in their midst that they would not believe it even if you were to tell them. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings
0: at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.